I'm health coach Heather, and you are listening to episode 189, Breaking Free from the Scorekeeping Trap. You are listening to the Healthy Families Rule podcast hosted by health coach Heather, master health coach and wellness educator specializing in family health. This show is about raising a strong, healthy, resilient family with confidence and courage in a confused world. So hang out with me each week to learn practical coaching tips, parenting advice, nutrition suggestions, and stress reducers to apply to your mental and physical well-being. All right, welcome back to the Healthy Families Real Podcast, episode 189. So excited to be here with you guys. And as I'm living my life, going out there into the workforce and helping other people and working on creating the life that I want, I'm noticing something happen over and over again. And that's why I wanted to talk about this topic today. It is about scorekeeping keeping score rather in a relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's at school. So this is a topic I want you to be talking about with your children this week. It's the weekly topic and how you can teach them to break the cycle of keeping score because we're finding out and I'm finding out rather just through personal experience that this is ruining relationships, that this is hurting so many people, including yourself, when you do this. So I, I always wonder why, why people feel the need to keep score in relationships and in life. And the tendency to keep score in relationships and life, it often stems from a combination of psychological, social, and emotional factors. So I'm going to give you some reasons right now why you might be keeping score or engaging in this behavior or why other people in your life are doing it as well. But let's specifically focus on just relationships, maybe relationships with friends or within the family. Here are some reasons why you might be keeping score. Validation and worth. Because humans, we often seek that validation and recognition for our efforts. And so keeping score, it's going to be a way for us to feel acknowledged and appreciated for our contributions, whether in relationships or in life achievements. So it really does serve as a measure of worth and value to us or to other people. Another reason why is equity and fairness. People have an innate sense of fairness and keeping score may arise when one party feels that they are contributing more to a relationship or situation than the other. And they may use this tally as evidence to just justify their expectations of equity. Do you do this? Do you find other people are doing this? How about control and power dynamics? Scorekeeping, it's a way for some individuals to assert control or maintain a sense of power in relationships. Parents often do this with children. 
and children often do this with parents. By tracking and highlighting imbalances, you know how parents will always say, well, I cook for you, I clean for you, you live in my house, you have a room to sleep in. We're always kind of keeping score to kind of show the child that they should be grateful. That's one example. But by tracking and highlighting imbalances, they may attempt to gain the upper hand or influence decisions. Fear of exploitation. This is another reason people keep score. Past experiences of feeling taken advantage of or exploited can lead people to become more vigilant about keeping track of their contributions. And this stems from a desire to avoid being in a vulnerable position again. People don't like to be vulnerable or drop the ego. Comparison and social norms. Well, we have these social norms and these societal pressures that can influence how we perceive our roles and contributions. So scorekeeping might result from comparing ourselves to others and measuring up to the perceived standards. And I know when we start to compare ourselves, man, that's when we start really getting down on ourselves too, realizing we're not doing something right. We should be stepping up. We wish we were better. And so we do it in an unhealthy way that really can exhaust us because we're thinking about it so much and comparing ourselves or what we should be, what society, what society deems as normal behavior if we're not measuring up to that. So just be careful about comparing yourself or even comparing yourself in, in a way that puts you on a level up than others too, because that's not, that's not correct behavior as far as seeing everyone's value and worth as equal in the world. Okay. Communication issues. So keeping score, you know, poor communication skills or unexpected expectations can lead to misunderstandings and resentment. So scorekeeping may be an indirect way of expressing dissatisfaction or addressing unmet needs. Happens all the time. Insecurity and jealousy. So feelings of insecurity or jealousy can prompt individuals to keep score as a way of gauging their partner's commitment or loyalty. It's a means of seeking reassurance. Lack of trust. A lack of trust can lead to scorekeeping as individuals seek evidence that their partner or others are fulfilling their promises and commitments. Cultural and background influences. Cultural norms or upbringing and past experiences can shape how people perceive relationships and expectations. Some cultures may place more emphasis on keeping score as a sign of responsibility and accountability. So it might just be something you've been taught to do from childhood. You've seen your parents do it. It's part of your culture. Keep score. Well, we'll talk about how that's causing some problems in relationships in a second here. Perceived scarcity. The perception of limited resources such as time, 
attention or effort can lead to scorekeeping as individuals feel the need to safeguard their share. So how might this play out in the workforce? That's how it kind of plays out in relationships. Let's talk about how it might play out at your job or at school if you're a child. Because scorekeeping behaviors, they manifest all the time in the workforce, affecting professional relationships and dynamics. So number one would be, again, competition for recognition. We see this all the time. Employees may keep track of their achievements and compare them to those of their colleagues. And this can lead to a competitive atmosphere where individuals seek recognition and rewards for their accomplishments. Equity in workload. So in team settings, some employees or some kids at school might feel that they are carrying a heavier workload than others if they're working in a group. They may keep a mental tally of tasks completed to justify their concerns about fairness. Comparison of compensation. So if you're at work, employees may compare their compensation to those of their peers, which can lead to feelings of resentment if they perceive discrepancies or, you know, this can also result in requests for raises or promotions as a way to, quote, even the score because they feel like something's not fair. Recognition and promotions. Keeping score can extend to the realm of promotions and career advancements. Individuals who perceive themselves as having contributed more might expect faster career growth or better opportunities. Power dynamics. In hierarchical hierarchical organizations, employees might keep track of interactions and favors exchanged with higher-ups. And this can affect how they perceive their chances of advancement or special treatment. So if you're giving something to somebody with some strings attached, you're keeping score. Task distribution. So in group projects, some employees or students at school, they may keep track of how often they are assigned tasks, feeling slighted if they perceive an imbalance. And this can lead to resentment within the team. So I can just give you an example of that because I work at a bakery. It might be possible that somebody who's asked to work on the ovens or do the mixer might be perceived as somebody who gets to take on that responsibility because they're perceived by the boss as somebody responsible and capable of doing that versus somebody who wants to do that. And they've not been asked to do that because if the pay is more, if you're able to work these machines and you're not being asked to do that, you're going to keep score. You're going to say, well, they get to work these bigger machines and do these other projects that I really want to do. And I don't get to do that. And so you might perceive that as not fair because they're given that assignment and you are not. Therefore, you're thinking the boss finds them more capable than you in doing those things. 
So it's important to kind of notice what your brain's doing here, where it keeps going, what stories it keeps telling when you're not given opportunities. And also when you are given opportunities and others aren't, again, do you just one up yourself from them? Put yourself in that position of I'm better than them. That's not good either. So comparing workloads is a big one. So employees might compare their workloads with colleagues. This is another one leading to discussions of grievances about fairness. And this could also impact the team morale and cooperation. If one person feels like they're doing the majority of the workload, they're going to keep score. And um, work-life balance. Keeping score can extend to perceptions of work-life balance. Individuals who perceive that others are getting more flexibility or time off might feel resentful or stressed. Loyalty and commitment. Employees might track how often they stay late, work weekends, or take on extra responsibilities compared to others. And this can affect perceptions of commitment and loyalty. Resource allocation. In resource-limited situations, such as access to training or equipment, employees might feel, might feel the need to keep score to ensure that they are getting their fair share. It all comes back to wanting the fairness thing, right? We need to do a whole podcast episode on how life isn't fair, and that's okay. Performance metrics. Scorekeeping can extend to performance metrics where employees compare their own metrics with those of others. And this can lead to an unhealthy focus on outperforming peers. So it's important to create a work environment where open communication, clear expectations, and a collaborative spirit prevail. And so addressing scorekeeping behavior through constructive feedback, recognition of contributions, and equitable resource allocation can help foster a more positive and supportive workplace culture. But the question is, if you're doing these things or you've seen these things happen, how can humans break the scorekeeping cycle? Here's how. It's going to involve a combination of self-awareness, communication, some mindset shifts, and healthy relationship building practices. So I'm going to give you some strategies right now that are going to help you if you're in the scorekeeping cycle to get out of it. Number one, self-reflection. You got to start by examining your own motivations for keeping score. Reflect on why you feel the need to track the contributions or compare yourself to others. Once you have this awareness, this is the first step toward change. And then you can move into the mindset shift. You're going to cultivate a mindset of abundance rather than scarcity. You want to focus on what you can give and contribute rather than what you're receiving. Embrace a mindset of collaboration and support, which will lead us to the next thing. And that's effective communication. Instead of silently tallying contributions. Communicate openly with others about your needs, expectations, and concerns. 
honest conversations can help clear misunderstandings and it's going to prevent resentment. And as always, I love this one. Practice gratitude. Regularly, regularly express gratitude for the positive aspects of relationships, both personal and professional. This helps shift the focus from keeping score to appreciating what's already present. And then I want you to set some clear expectations. Clearly define expectations, roles, and responsibilities in relationships and collaborations. This can reduce misunderstandings and it's going to foster a sense of fairness. I've got more. Here they are. I want you to focus on growth. Shift the focus from comparison to personal growth and improvement. I want you to concentrate on your own progress and development rather than comparing yourself to others. And then I want you to celebrate others' successes. So instead of feeling threatened by others' achievements, celebrate their successes genuinely. This positive attitude can help break the cycle of envy and comparison. And then you're going to practice empathy. Put yourself in others' shoes and consider their perspective. This can help you understand their contributions and challenges. Fostering empathy and compassion. Especially do this if you have a partner or a spouse. Practice that empathy. You're going to value quality over quantity. So instead of tallying the number of tasks or favors, focus on the quality of your contributions and interactions. A few meaningful efforts can often outweigh many superficial ones. And then of course, set some healthy boundaries. Establish boundaries to prevent overextending yourself. Recognize your limits and communicate them effectively to avoid feeling like you're always in a position of giving. Focus on your self-worth. Building a strong sense of self-worth that isn't solely tied to external validation or comparisons. Understand your own value and worthiness, independent of others. Everybody has their own value, and it's equal. We just came into the world with this self, with this worth, and we need to find the self-worth within us, but we have the same worth and value and we need to feel that for ourselves and for others. Practice self-care, prioritize that self-care to boost your overall well-being. When you're taking care of yourself, you're eating healthy, you're drinking water, you're getting your sleep, you're exercising, you're less likely to feel the need to seek validation from others. So breaking the scorekeeping cycle requires consistent effort. It requires patience and a commitment to personal growth. As you adopt these strategies, you'll likely find that healthier and more authentic relationships, both in person and professional spheres, become a natural outcome of what you're doing. So that's really what I wanted to teach you today was to understand scorekeeping, what this is, what it's about. The consequences of scorekeeping, well, 
You guys know the detrimental effects of scorekeeping in relationships now and your mental well-being. It's going to lead to resentment, comparisons, and feelings of inadequacy. That's why we don't want to do it. We want to break the cycle. That's why we're going to be self-aware. We're going to reflect. We're going to recognize when we're doing it. And we're going to make the mindset shift from scarcity to abundance and focus on personal growth. We talked about the steps to overcoming the scorekeeping cycle. And that's why we're going to set some clear boundaries. We're going to practice gratitude. We're going to celebrate others' successes. And we're going to embrace healthy relationships. When you let go of scorekeeping, that can definitely lead to healthier and more authentic relationships in your life. So we're going to foster that empathy, understanding, and compassion in our interactions. It, it's, gonna, it's just going to contribute to stronger connections in general. So that's what you got to do. You got to reflect on your own tendencies towards scorekeeping and consider implementing those strategies I shared today. And I just want to emphasize here your potential for transformation and improved relationships is going to be amazing. You're going to feel so much better by breaking free from the scorekeeping cycle. I promise you that. And if you're finding it hard to get out of the cycle or you're in relationships that you feel like you're always being slighted or people are always against you or for whatever reason, I want you to come get coached. I want you to reach out to me, send me a private message. You can email me at yourhealthcoacheshere at gmail.com and you can fill out an application for coaching. We can jump on a, a consultation call together. We can talk about what's going on for you and what coaching might look like in your life to help you transform your life in a way where you stop keeping score, where you stop feeling slighted or stop feeling like the victim of your life. All right. So come get coached. I invite you to come get coached. It is very transformational as we set goals for your life and help you to truly step into the the life you want to live and achieve what you want to achieve in life. That's what I love to do for people and help them with and guide them through. So thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I want you to keep tuning in for more advice and tips from me to uplevel your life in so many ways. I've got some exciting events coming up that I do want to mention. If you're listening to this when it airs and you're local to Arizona, I've got two kids cooking classes coming up this week. So this coming week, August the 28th, 4.30 to 5.30, 30 to 6, probably right around there. It's about an hour and a half class. I can take about four kids and I'm going to be making some homemade tomato basil soup. We're going to be roasting the tomatoes and the vegetables and blending it together to make a beautiful, delicious soup with a grilled cheese sandwich on my homemade sourdough bread. So if you've got some little culinary bakers in the house that are about eight years and older, I invite you to get them registered for that and come on out. It's going to be a great time um, for you to just drop them off or you can stay if you'd like to. And it's just going to be at my house. We're going to have a great time. So what you'll want to do is go to healthcoachheather.com to get registered for that class. 
I have another cooking class that following Friday, September 1st, we're going to be making grilled peaches with homemade ice cream. It's going to be delicious. So again, um, you're going to want to get signed up right away. I can only take four kids. I like to keep classes small so that I can really spend the time teaching them how to cook, how to chop, how to roast, how to saute, all these things that they might not be learning. And I, I particularly like it when kids are maybe in their tween teen ages, because they're a lot more independent and parents are busy and they can start to cook their own food and prepare a nice meal for the family too. It's really nice to have them helping out that way. So cooking classes are coming up. Um, and then September 26th, I've got a webinar, a webinar called Stress Busters. So if you'd like to learn my top tips for busting through stress, feeling more calm, more peace, more joy in your life, go to healthcoachheather.com, get yourself registered for that webinar. It's going to be in the evening. So hopefully you're all off work and you can come in from 6 to 7 p.m. and learn my top tips for reducing stress in your life so that you can feel more peace and calm. All right. So that's what's coming up. And I look forward to seeing you have a great rest of your day and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.